0: all again uh, this morning. Actually, I was quite impressed uh, as we were driving past the Cenotaph. Quite a large crowd of people had already gathered and then there was a very impressive parade coming down the the, uh, street uh, towards us. And uh, We we were just remarking on that, actually, that there aren't so many towns now, I think, where there is still quite a good support for the uh, Cenotaph Remembrance Services. I don't know know how many of you uh, watched the Festival of Remembrance uh, last night. Uh, I'm always tremendously impressed by that. Actually, I think it seems to get better uh, every year, but it was a a wonderful uh, remembrance festival uh, last night. Fortunately, there are some things we can still do reasonably well Uh, In this country, we can't run a parliament for the life of us, but uh, the precision of that uh, service last night was certainly something to behold. And it's good to, as we've been doing already, just to remember those who have given their lives, not only in the two world wars, of course, that are so big in our history, but uh, in many other conflicts and places around the world since then. And sadly, it still goes on that lives get lost. There's been a lot of these remembrances over the past year or two with D-Day celebrations and so on. And also just, of course, this past uh, few days with the remembrance of the uh, destruction of the Berlin Wall and East and West Germany coming together. And that was a huge thing, of course, uh, for, particularly for people living Uh, in East and West Germany, the people who have been in Berlin and separated by that uh, huge wall. Families separated for many, many years, not able to have any real contact with each other. So that was a huge thing, and what surprised me uh, this week is the number of people uh, on radio and television uh, who actually were not even around when the Berlin Wall came down they were not yet born. It just makes me feel a wee bit older uh, each time when that kind of thing happens. But uh, yeah, we give thanks to God today for his uh, goodness to us and for the courage uh, of many men and women who have given themselves and worked hard for our freedom and for what we can enjoy today. Well, our Bible reading is in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Sorry, I keep forgetting to look up the page in the church Bible, but I'm sure uh, you can look up the index there if need be. Acts 16 in the New Testament comes after the Gospels, and then we're into the book of Acts, and it's chapter 16. And we'll read from verse 6 uh, down to verse uh, 16. 15, rather. This is the Word of God. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia. And went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down. And began to speak to women, to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his word. I don't know about you, but uh, I've got uh, kind of fed up hearing the phrase, we're on a journey everybody's on a journey, you know, life's a a journey, we're on a journey, I get kind of fed up with it. So, I need to apologize to you this morning, because that's exactly what this passage is about, that we've just read in Acts chapter 16. And I think, again, it is instructive for us today, and I trust the Lord will uh, speak to us, whatever it is we need to hear from this passage. Because as I said uh, last week, these coming days are are very significant and in some ways critical days for you uh, as a church, as you think and pray about the future shape of ministry for you here and as you seek God's guidance about that. And I know, well, I trust you will keep the search committee very much in your prayers Uh, Jim shared with you, those who are going to be serving on that group, keep them in your prayers as they seek the Lord, and together with you, look for His way ahead uh, for you. And you'll have to uh, ask yourself, is it just going to be business as usual, doing what we've always done, or is this going to be a time for bold faith and new initiatives for you? Uh, keep open to the endless possibilities that always are there when we journey with the Lord. And this passage in Acts chapter 16 gives us insight into some of Paul's experiences on this journey of ministry. Of course, this is not the start of ministry for Paul. Uh, in fact, this uh, section here in Acts 16, 17, and 18, uh, that section covers what has come to be known as the second missionary journey, second uh, big journey that Paul took uh, around the Mediterranean area. So it's not the first time that he has embarked on this kind of thing. But it is a new stage for him, and he's certainly going to be going to places that he hasn't been before. It's a new stage for him, just as this is a new stage for you in your church's life. And that's a new stage no matter how many pastors you've seen come and go. You've, I'm sure, heard about the new pastor had just been inducted into a new church, and he was starting to visit the membership, and he was visiting one old lady Hadn't been quite 65 years in membership, uh, but I think she had been about 50 years in membership of the church. And the pastor, just trying to make conversation, says, my, I'm sure in that time you've seen a few pastors. The old dear says, aye, and each one was worse than the one before. (laughs) So that's a good way to greet your new pastor, you know, but uh, be praying very much. For that because these are important days for you. Actually, the journey that we're talking about for Paul begins back in chapter 15, if you still have Bibles open in front of you, back in chapter 15 and at verse 36, and it begins with a clear conviction, clear conviction on Paul's part about the importance of pastoral care, of genuine concern for one another, of encouraging believers to go on with the Lord. That's what verse 36 says. He says uh, to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And uh, he was keen to know that they were going on with the Lord, that they were uh, living in uh, clear discipleship uh, for him. See, what Paul had in mind was not just a holding hands operation. It wasn't just a sharing of hearts and licking of wounds. It was a determination to spur one another on, to refuse to settle for the mediocre in our Christian lives, but to keep moving on to higher things, to see some of the ungodly beliefs that we so easily live with as Christians rooted out, to see more and more of Christ's likeness growing in one another. That's what was in Paul's heart for these believers and these churches that he was about to visit. And, and that's the conviction that, uh, that we need, and that's the kind of attitude that we need to be living in to spur one another on, the belief that there's always more in our Christian lives than we yet know. I've not yet arrived, says Paul to the Philippians. I've not yet arrived, but I'm pressing on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was his attitude, and that needs to be ours as well, the determination to encourage one another to higher and better things. So that's the conviction with which this adventure begins. And and let that be your conviction as well as you move into this new chapter in your church's life, to, to encourage one another, to spur one another on to higher and better things. That's where it starts. But then comes a confusing journey. And it's a journey which begins in conflict with Barnabas. Verse 39 tells us that. Well, verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them back in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, And sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. It was a a devastating conflict between these two church leaders. But the outcome of that conflict results not in a weakening of the work, but a doubling of the ministry. And that's how to think about it. Two teams go out instead of one. They doubled the ministry. And as we gather from later references in the New Testament, Paul and Barnabas and Mark were all very happily reconciled to one another. They sorted themselves out eventually. You see, as so often happens, the devil once again had overreached himself. And what he meant for harm, what he meant for destruction to the fledgling churches, The Lord works together for good when we operate out of grace and forgiveness and openness and acceptance. As you well know, there is no place for unforgiveness and bitterness in the believer's heart. We're simply not allowed it. We're not allowed it. Remember what Jesus taught his followers to pray, forgive us Our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And Paul is very clear. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and at verse 10 where he he says that living in forgiveness is essential so that Satan might not outwit us. And he says, I am perfectly willing to forgive. This person who had had to be disciplined in the church's life, I want to encourage you to do the same, he says to the Corinthians, to exercise forgiveness so that Satan might not outwit us. You see, Satan always wants to keep believers locked in unresolved conflict. He loves it. He's the only person who benefits from it. But Paul says we are not unaware of his schemes. And we need to be aware of the enemy's schemes in trying to create turmoil and division and bitterness and tension between us. And for some of you, I'm sure, there will have been, there will have been a bit of confusion and maybe even hurt in these past days. Things may have been said and done that you found hard and unhelpful and even painful. But I want to urge each of you to live in forgiveness and to work for reconciliation and harmony. That's going to be very important for you in the days ahead. To think the best and not the worst of those with whom you may have disagreed. See, ministry and mission often grow out of a period of confusion and difficulty for God's people so long as our attitudes to one another are right. And I just so want that to be the case for you, that you're living and working in harmony and seeing the Lord work amongst you. Of course, There's yet more confusion for Paul and his companions. The confusion of this journey is by no means over. As they continue on their way, they come to several closed doors and dead ends. That's the story of verses 6 to 8 that we read. They, They tried one or two places and nothing seemed to be right. Nothing seemed to be opening up for them at all. And for a little while, it's difficult to know exactly what they're meant to be doing. They kind of wander from one place to another and and, and nothing is sure and certain for them. And it'll not be unusual. Indeed, Indeed, it'll be surprising, I think, if you don't have periods like that in the coming months. And you may find yourself asking, are we doing the right thing here? why is the way forward not clearer for us? Why is there this uncertainty? That just happens on the Christian journey. For all sorts of different reasons, it happens. Until the Lord has us listening to Him, hearing from Him, and going the way. He wants us to go to the place that he wants to take us, which may not have been in our minds at the start. What's very significant in Acts 16, however, is that in spite of uncertainty and closed doors, the one thing Paul and his friends did not do was to give up. They did not stop the journey. They didn't give up. He kept going on and moving forward. And because of that, there comes a convincing call. A convincing call. It's Paul's vision of the man in Macedonia uh, calling, come over and help us. And we concluded, says Luke, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And that's what we need to have ringing in our ears that clear call to mission. That's what we're here for. Not just to support and encourage one another, though that's very important. Not just to have a comfortable setup for believers to come and worship in, though that's nice if you have it. But we are here to reach people in this community and beyond this community who have not been reached before with the gospel message. There is actually no other reason for our existence as a church than that one of mission, of sharing the good news with our community. So, expect new people to be reached for Christ. I thought it was quite significant. uh, Last Sunday, uh, on that particular Sunday... Uh, when, when Rossi's ministry was finishing and you were stepping out into a new chapter, that there were two or three people in church for the very first time last Sunday. Now, you know, they may not ever come back. I don't know what the reason. I'm not sure if they're here today or not. But, but I thought it was significant. Then it was almost symbolic that the Lord was saying there are new people to be contacted. Expect new people to come amongst you in the days ahead. So, we're here to reach others with the gospel. We're here to share the good news of Jesus. And so, we need to make sure that what we are transmitting to others, to to. to visitors who may come amongst us, to new people who may have an interest in knowing what's going on here. What we're transmitting is not hurt and pain and disappointment, but a life-transforming gospel of love and hope and reconciliation, so that people sense that warmth in Christ that is part of what it means to be in the family of God. Move forward together, as Paul and his companions did, with absolute confidence in God and with a joyful sense of excitement about the future. Because that always leads, as it did for Paul, to what we might say is a Christ-exalting ministry. It was actually a very rich ministry that opened up to them out of this time of confusion and difficulty and uncertainty. Look at some of what it involved. In chapter 16, it involved being part of a bigger team. They were not just alone in this. And so, uh, verse 4 of of chapter 16 tells us that, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So, they were carrying a message from others. They recognized that they were part of a bigger thing than just the little group that they were traveling with at that moment in time. And that's true for us as well. Hey, there are other Christians in Airdrie. There are other Christian churches in this community. There are many kingdom people in Scotland and in our nation, and in our world. We are part of a much bigger thing that is going on all the time. I came across uh, some uh, statistics just uh, a week or two ago from the Baptist World Alliance uh, of the figures of the last 10 years over uh, Baptist membership, Baptist uh World Alliance, churches connected with the Baptist World Alliance. Now, these are just Baptist churches. That's all just a small part of the total Christian community in our world. But here were the statistics. Europe and the Middle East in the last 10 years in Baptist churches, there has been a 7% decline. North America, there has been a 6% decline. That's what we are kind of seeing and living amongst. But hey, that's not what's going on. Africa, last 10 years, 160% growth in members of Baptist, just Baptist churches in Africa. They've gone from 7 million people to 19 million people in the last 10 years. Asia Pacific, 6% growth. The Caribbean, 43% 43% growth. Latin America, 33% growth. So that the global growth for just Baptist churches has been more than 30%. Gone from 36 million people worshiping like us and all sorts of different ways to 47 million. We are part of something bigger that is happening in our world right now in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to remember that. It involved being part of a bigger team. It involved encouraging small groups, this Christ-exalting ministry that they were getting involved in. So, they went outside the city gate to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer, and there was a small group of worshiping people worshiping women, and they joined themselves to that group, and they encouraged these small groups to meet together. But as well as that, it involved one-to-one ministry. That's verse 14. uh, Of those listening to them, one was a woman named Lydia. She was a worshiper of God, but the Lord opened her heart in a new way, to respond to the message that Paul was sharing with them about the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And they engaged in ministry one to one with Lydia. It involved building relationships with people. That's what verse 15 is about. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And so they started to build up relationships with Lydia and her friends and her household. It involved sometimes bold confrontation with the enemy. Verses 16. 18 uh, tell us that, the, the slave girl who was possessed by a demonic uh, spirit and eventually uh, Paul had to exorcise that spirit from this girl. It was bold confrontation with the enemy. And uh, it also involved facing active physical persecution. That's verses 23 to 24. Uh, they were, they were severely flogged, we're told. They were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. It was actual physical persecution against them. Now, I hope uh, we're not going to face too much of that uh, in the near future, but there will be enemy action against us and against what we stand for. No question about that. And we need to be alert to that and we need to be prepared to confront him and stand up against him and order him to go in the name of Jesus. Be ready for enemy action. And it also involved living in the miraculous. Uh, They were seeing things happen that they could hardly believe. Verse 26, suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. Now, this was not just an ordinary earthquake, this was something miraculous that was happening here, because nobody was hurt, nobody was injured, but the doors were opened, the chains were released from the prisoner. They were living in the miraculous. There was stuff going on that could only be explained by God is at work here. And I'm praying that you're going to see things happen in the days ahead that can only be explained by God at work amongst you. Read on. Uh, because it involved kingdom growth. Verse 5, go back to verse 5 of that chapter 16, and it tells us there that the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Uh, Verse 15 tells us uh, about the growth around Lydia and her, her home group. And then verse 33 uh, gives us another insight uh, into what was happening with the jailer from the prison at Philippi. Uh, He is converted, he's baptized, and there's something else starting to happen there in and around his home and family. Uh, These were great things going on. This was kingdom growth. People were being converted every day. And in quite amazing ways sometimes. You read on into chapter 17 and chapter 18, it's a thrilling story. There are conversions amongst Jews and Gentiles. New communities are reached. Churches are planted and strengthened. Believers are built up and encouraged. This is a great journey to be on with Paul and his companions. And I, I hope that your journey together into this new chapter of ministry and mission will be even half as exciting, even quarter as exciting, as, as this one was for Paul and his companions. But I pray that it will always be Christ-exalting and certainly rich with possibility. One of my uh, favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer. You've probably heard it from me before, but it won't do you any harm to hear it again if that's the case. Here's what Tozer wrote. Unbelief says, some other time, but not now. Some other place, but not here. Some other people, but not us. Faith says, anything God did anywhere else, he will do here. Anything that God did at any other time, he's willing to do now. Anything God did for other people, he is willing to do for us. Believe that. Hold on to that. And I simply want to encourage you to go for it with all the, all the vigour and courage that God gives you in the power and daily infilling of the Holy Spirit. And be alive with expectancy to see what God will do amongst you and through you in the days ahead. Don't let it be just business as usual. Move into a new chapter in your life together as an exciting chapter, there may be some uncertainty and confusion along the way, but keep going until you see that outcome that the Lord is planning and has planned for you as a fellowship and as a witnessing team in this community in which the Lord has placed you. May God bless you abundantly in the days ahead as you seek to follow His direction and His leading.